It was good to see the kids parading through this place, wasn't it? And with that being said, they can continue the parade. Kids are dismissed. Head out, Miss Shelley. But as they do that, I want all of you to hold this thing up. I mean, when Luke, the youngster, was doing his thing up here and you guys all had your phones out and your little batteries came on and you had the little light shining out of here, this is the true light. This battery's never going to wear out. Jesus said, I am the light of the life, or the light of the world. And so... Time and time again, I've encouraged you guys to actually bring this thing with you. You know, make the effort. Go that extra mile to carry something that's a little heavier than your phone with you. Because your phones are fine, but what happens when your battery dies? You better have it memorized. <laughs> Genesis through Revelation, you better have it memorized. But... We're starting a new year. I mean, everybody, you flipped your calendars you, or your three-year-old calendars out. You put the new calendars up, right? All right. What's this year hold in store for us? What's going to be different about this year than last year? Did everybody enjoy last year? You better say yes. There may have been things that weren't great about it, but was God with you every step of the way? There may have been things that happened that you didn't like, but are those the things that build our character, that build our faith? That's what God's about. He's about taking an imperfect person and making us more like him. And that only happens in tribulation, in trials, in the fire that he brings to refine us. So my encouragement, and there's an encouraging word for the start of the year, right? Um, AJ alluded to, we're starting a new series that's going to carry on through this whole month. And this series um, was birthed out of a time of prayer and discussion that AJ, Eric, Hamilton, and I had a few weeks, a month ago, whatever that was now. And Eric, who doesn't even attend this fellowship, said, welcome home. And so that's what we're starting today. Um, Eric will be here next week talking about it. Um, AJ will follow the week after that, and then I'll close out the month with the final series or the final portion of Welcome Home. How many of you ever heard that greeting before? Welcome home. Um, my mind obviously goes to our military, you know, those that have been deployed and you know, have been away from home for long periods of time. And when they come home, there's signs, there's you know, people greeting them, they're saying, welcome home, welcome back. And... Just keep that in mind. Keep that thought there. Is that if you've been away from home for a long period of time and somebody greets you with that, welcome home, welcome back. It's touching, isn't it? It makes you feel like they appreciate and they missed you. Um, I went to my Webster's Dictionary, 1828 version. We, we have to define things, don't we? At least I have to. <laughs> Welcome, according to Webster's 1828, is, it says to be received with gladness, admitted willingly to a house or an event, 
to salute a newcomer with kindness or to receive and entertain hospitably, graciously, and cheerfully. All good things, right? So when you welcome somebody, those are the things that you're saying, and it's not just a word you throw at them. It has some power behind it. And then home, home is a house or place in which one resides. Home is also the sacred refuge of our life. You won't find that in the modern dictionary, will you? And it also is the present state of existence. And Webster's 1828 uses 2 Corinthians 5, 6. While we're at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. And so when you say to somebody, welcome home, think of those things. Those are the things that you're saying to them, is that this is a place that you're welcomed gladly, open arms, if you will. And has anyone coming into PF ever been greeted that way? Somebody said, welcome home to you. I know some of you have, some of you have shared with me that you feel like this place is home. And that's how it should be. Um, let me, how many of you are first time visitors to PF today? Is there any first time visitors you've never been here before? Okay, so you're all welcome back. You've been here before. Um, how many of you have been coming here less than a year? Is there anybody that's been here less than a year? Anybody less than five years? A few more hands. How about any 10-year people? Anybody been coming here 10 years or more? Or less? Sorry. All right. Let's go the big number. Anybody been here 20 years? Okay. So we've got a pretty wide disparity here. So you're all back here for some reason. And that's what I want to explore the next little segment is those of you that are here for the second, third, 29th time, whatever it happens to be, why do you keep coming back? Okay, good answer. <laughs> kind of led you into it. Um, we have that picture up there. And does that look like a nice place that you could just sit and talk to people? Okay, that's not my home. But I wouldn't mind being there, set in the mountains. But... I want you to keep that picture up there and just continue to think of that as I'm talking this morning, is that that's what PF can be. It's what it is to some of you. And I have five reasons that you keep coming back. And the first reason is, is it's because of the worship. I mean, the worship this morning, great. The purpose of worship is what? To lead us into the presence of God. And so... And again, I'll throw AJ under the bus here for a moment while he's talking to his wife. Is AJ, in our staff meetings, he'll talk about, well, they, they missed a note or they did something. It's like 98% of us don't have a clue. Okay? It's, about, it's not about entertaining us. If you're here to be entertained, go somewhere else. Make it joyful. But A.J. strives for that. And so we appreciate that, that he's, he's not just up there winging it. He's not going to let me up, come up here and take a guitar. He's wiser than that because I can't play a lick. I could make a noise for you, but it's not going to be anything that's going to lead you into worship. And so that's one of the reasons that people will may continue to come back is the worship has touched them. 
that it's something that they get into the presence of God. But it should not be for entertainment. It's not why you should be here. The second reason people may continue to come back is the teaching, is that the word of God's presented. And the word of God is so many things. Does it convict me to become more like Christ? If you're just hearing Sunday school stories, is that building you up? It can. But if you've heard the Sunday schools when you were a child, you need more meat now. You need something deeper that's going to convict you. It's going to turn you into the image of Christ. That you're going to think like Christ. You're going to act like Christ. And so that's what the messages should be doing, is they should be motivating you. Um, we understand that we all need the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. Okay. So we need to proclaim the work of the Holy Spirit. We need to call sin, sin. That's not a popular one. Is that if we just come here and what I always called fluffy messages, if that's all that we were presenting to you were fluffy messages that just made you feel good about yourself, where's the growth at? We need to call sin, sin. Is that if there's a, a man sitting here that's being unfaithful to his wife and it comes to our attention, we don't just brush it under the rug. We address it. Amen. If we're lying, we address it. If I'm a drunkard, we need to address it. Yep. Is we don't just allow sin to continue being rampant in this place because this is the house of God. Right. It needs to be a place where when you come into the presence of God, he changes you. He just doesn't say, well, you're okay how you are. I know that's your choice. Just stay how you are. That's not God's plan and purpose for us. That's not his plan and purpose for the body of Christ is for us to become. He wants us to be more and more like him so that when we expose ourselves to the world, they're seeing the light of Christ coming through us. Amen. The third reason that you may continue to come back is because the things that PF supports. You know, we support local missions. We support global missions. I mean, you look out in the lobby, you see that we are fighting sex trafficking, sex slavery. So those may be reasons that you first heard about PF or you chose to come to PF because you heard the things that we stand against, the evil that's in the world or the things that we support by sending missionaries out and all the missionaries that we do support. So that's a good reason to be here. The fourth reason that you may continue to come back to PF is because of the people. Is that as you look around, have you made friends here? Yes. Are there people that when you've been missing for a few weeks, they say, hey, where are you at? That they're not afraid to pick up you know, the landline, if you actually still have a landline, or those cell phones, and they reach out to you and say, where have you been? What's happened? What's going on in your life? Is it, that's the kind of people that we need to be, is that we're not just going to ignore each other. We're not just going to say, they're fine, they're going to figure it out, is we need to be united in our reason for being here. And so those are the four reasons that I came up with initially, is those are all good reasons to come back, right? But what's the best reason? Okay, the presence of God. But I'm going to go even more specifically than that is that all of those four reasons that I talked about previously, those are reasons that maybe you started coming here, the reasons that you continue coming back. But what I'm going to say to me, I think the most important reason for any of you to sit your butts back in here again next week is because God told you to. Right. Amen. Amen. 
if God has called you to be a part of this body, all those other things can be terrible. AJ may have a bad day and he's out of tune. I still wouldn't know. <laughs> but if I'm called here because God called me to be here, the worship doesn't matter. If God's called me to be here and the teaching is terrible, that's my fault. It doesn't matter. If I don't care about world missions, if I don't care about local missions, I don't care about sex slavery, if God's called me to be here, it doesn't matter what we support. And even if nobody ever says a word to me, if God's told me to be here, those other things don't matter. I'm here because God told me this is where I want you to be. And so I want every single one of you to ask that question to yourself. Have you ever asked that question? Those of you that are in the ISIM classes, I've told you this before. Okay? Is, have you ever asked God, is this where you're to be? There's a lot of bodies out there. When we talk about the body of Christ, praise fellowship is one part of the body of Christ. And so there's lots of other bodies all across this world that are coming together. They're worshiping. They're teaching. They're getting, you know, gathering. They're fighting tra trafficking. They're doing a lot of things. But did you ask God, is this where I'm supposed to be? And if you've asked that question he's answered it, this is where you need to be, regardless of what else is happening, regardless of whether people are nice to you or if anybody's ever talked to you, if anybody's ever welcomed you here, you felt more welcome, obviously, but the reason for you to be here is because God told you to be. And so when you do that, when you walk through those doors and you know that God has called you to be here, you're welcomed. You know, we're talking about texting your number to that phone thing, and you get a welcome back text. Okay. Open this thing up, and God's welcome you on every single page. He's saying, you're my chosen children. You're my chosen generation. I want to do great things with you. And so every single one of you, no matter what the gifts that you have inside of you, the talents that you have inside of you, if this is where God has called you to be, he wants to use them here. The gifts that you have, you can go anywhere and those gifts will be available. But if he's called you to be a part of this body, this is where your gifts will have the most benefit that they're going to take this body and make it stronger and healthier than it ever has been if every single one of us is doing our part of the bodily function. But it starts with that conviction, that question, is this my home? Is this my home church? Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 127, please. Psalm 127, verse 1. And this is Solomon, one of Solomon's psalms. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the day, the watchman wakes but in vain. So if the Lord does not build the house, they labor in vain. Has God built this house? Long before I was a part of Praise Fellowship, people started gathering together and formed what we now know as Praise Fellowship. 
So over the years, you know, those of you, how many of you have been here more than 20 years? Yeah, a good segment of you. Longer than 20 years, you've seen some changes from the place that this, this meeting occurred, from you know, the pet store, to the photography studio, to the state hospital, to this building here. You've seen a lot of changes in over those 20 years, right? The building itself has changed, added on different parts. We've you know, changed the colors, done different things with it. And you've also seen changes in the people that come here and worship together, right? Seen changes in the leadership. But is this the house that God built? Does, did he build it for a purpose? Okay. That's why this place continues to exist, because God has a plan and a purpose for it. It goes beyond us. It goes beyond you sitting here in these seats. It goes to the purposes and the plans that God has for it. Are you part of it? Obviously. The things that he wants to do, the way he wants to touch this world and reach this world requires us. He wants to take imperfect people and use them to glorify himself. Are you all in that? In for that? So as we begin this new year of 2023, um, you know, most of you answered incorrectly when I asked how your 2022 was. <laughs> 2023 is going to be awesome. That's the attitude we have to take is no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what Satan throws at us, what tr you know, stumbling blocks he tries to put in front of us, in God, it's going to be great. Amen. The things that he's going to show us, the things he's going to reveal to us, those things are going to be great. So there's going to be tribulation. You know, we experienced a global shutdown. We experienced fear across the globe. But did the church survive? And I'm going to say, did it survive or did it thrive? Because when things are wrong, when things are you know, chaotic in the world, where do people look? Usually they'll look to God. They'll look to the church. And they'll look to all kinds of other things. But if the church is vibrant, if the church is not hiding itself under that basket, the world's going to know where to go for some answers. And so that's what we need to be. That's the preparation that we're going through every single day is God building us up to be that sanctuary where people can run to. And I just want to read a statement from the PF, the Praise Fellowship website, that um, who is PF now is kind of what I was thinking. And this is the statement from the page. It says, Praise Fellowship exists to provide a time and place to come and worship God in spirit and in truth. No matter where you are in life, you are welcome here. A.K.A. welcome home. And just real quickly, I want to just kind of give you an idea. Um, the leadership has changed over the decades that PF has existed. Faces have changed, but the purpose of God has not changed. Amen. Currently, right now, just so you guys are know, you know, 2023, new year, um, AJ's our worship pastor. He also does a lot of the administration. Um, I'm the discipleship pastor. Um, Ann and I do a lot of counseling. We've been doing that for years. Um, so AJ and myself and also Brian Adelgren, we are the elders that are currently leading the church forward in what God has for us. And so if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, and we've actually even heard a few complaints here and there, 
if you have anything that you would want to share or things that you need answers to, come find one of us. We're available to you. You know, that's why God's placed us here, is to help you understand why you're here, why we're all here. So who are the three that are leading at the moment? That's a quiz, people. Okay. So again, if you have anything that you need to share or talk about, find us. You know, we will make ourselves available, speaking for you guys. Do you have a choice to come here? Okay, nobody twisted your arms? Okay. So you have the choice every Sunday whether you come here or not. Um, but a more critical choice that I want you to think about is, now turn in your Bibles back to Joshua. Joshua is way to your left in the Bible. Easy way to remember is you go past the first five books of Moses and then Joshua judges Ruth. He's pretty harsh. <laughs> Joshua chapter 24. And this is Joshua speaking to the people and the promises of God, the curses of God have been pronounced over the people. And in Joshua 24, 14, Joshua says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods or the idols which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. In verse 15, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods or the idols which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in the, whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That needs to be your decision every single day when you wake up, is who are you going to serve? And so if that's something that you're willing to do, I want you to all repeat that with me right now. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a simple statement. It's a simple declaration. But it's one that we need to make every single day. It sets the tone for the day. If you wake up and you immediately start thinking of how busy your day is or all the things that you need to accomplish, the day is going to get hectic. It's going to get chaotic. But if you start out your day by saying, I'm choosing this day to serve the Lord, everything else falls into a different place than it would have otherwise. So you've made the choice to come here and call PF your home. You've come here and you've chosen to serve the Lord today. How do you serve him? The question also comes in is, where do I serve him? If God's called you here, serve him with your whole heart, your whole soul, your whole mind. Everything that he's put inside of you, he's given it to you for the benefit of the body. The things that he wants to do inside of you or with you are, I'm going to say, probably a lot bigger than you've ever imagined. Because we limit God by our own fears by our own limitations that we put on ourselves. We limit God based on what we think we can handle. And so I want you to you know, take that and just remove it. That God has so much bigger things that he wants to do with you. And so as you're looking at that picture up on the wall above me here and that comfy home, I want you to think of the parallels between your home and this church right here. Is what similarities are there? If you were to come into Ann and I's house, 
Um, you would see pictures of Ann and I. You'd see pictures of our children, our grandchildren. Um, I know most of you would be shocked. You might find a few history books laying around, um, some guns laying around, um, plants. You know, The home that we've made tells you a little bit about who we are. And so when you look around this place, what do you see? You know, prominently, you see the cross. You see the flags up there representing the heart for the nations. Out in the lobby, you see the you know, pictures of women that have been rescued. You learn a little bit about PF by just looking around and seeing what this place is made up of, not just the people, but the things that are part of the setting of it. And so when you come into a home and you see a little bit about the people that live there, what we want to present to people is the love of Christ. That's the preeminent thing. That's what people need to see when they walk through these doors. Whether we welcome them or not, which is critical, we need to, but they need to see the heart of this place to transform lives. So everybody close your eyes for a moment. And you're sitting in your home. You're enjoying the peace and quiet of it, unless you have children. What kind of things go on in your house? Is there comfort there? Is there peace? Is there conversation where you are, even after Ann and I being married 33 years, we're still getting to know each other? Is that still going on in your house? Are there concerns that you bring in from your job that you can talk about in your house? Has somebody abused you? Has somebody been mean to you, bullied you today? Can you come into your house and find comfort and peace in your home? That's what PF is. It's a place where you can hear the noise of a little one. And it's a great noise. It's a place where the world wants to beat you up but you can come into this place and find comfort. It's a place where the, if you've been you know, traumatized in any way, if you've had issues in your life, that you can come into these walls and sit down and find comfort. How many of you sometimes just a, a hug from another person is enough to change your day? That's what we need to be. We need to be real with each other. And that's what I was thinking about preparing this message about being welcome home, is we need to have that attitude that when you walk through those doors and we gather together, we're family. Is that we're home with each other. This needs to be a place where it is. It's a sanctuary. And I was reminded as I was preparing this, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, and I was out riding my bike in our driveway. And I wiped out going down the hill and cut my elbow all up. Did I run to my neighbor's house, you think? Where did I run? I ran back up the hill to my house where my mom was, and she took care of me and put the methylate on there. And those of you that are old enough know what that is. But she took care of me. That's what this church is, and it needs to be, is that when you've been out in the world and it's beat the crap out of you, 
where do you run? Do you run to the neighbor or do you run home? And I'm talking spiritually, I'm physically too. Is if the world has beat you up, if your life is beating you up, where do you run? Do you run where you feel that you're going to be taken care of? Or are you just going to go find the ER? Or do you go where you need to be to truly get that healing? Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. And verse 19. I preached out of this passage a few weeks ago. Jesus had gone to the other side of the sea and he got out and the man that came out of the tombs and was demon possessed and we all know the story now verse 19 the man was asking Jesus to go with him and Jesus said nope go home go to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you so Jesus had delivered him of demons set him free and the man, obviously, who wouldn't want to go with somebody like that? You've been set free. You've been healed. You've been brought into a newness of life. Wouldn't you want to follow that person? So what he did, he wanted to follow Jesus. I don't want to leave you. You've done something for me that had never been done before. And Jesus said, no, go home and tell your friends. Because this man's deliverance, it was for him, wasn't it? This man was set free, but it wasn't just for that man. If it was only for that man, Jesus would have said, come on, jump in the boat. We're going to go to some other places. We're going to deliver some other people. But Jesus said, no, you need to go home and tell your friends to see the great things that God has done for you. The man was obedient, went home. And the rest of the story is he went to the region called Decapolis, the um, area of 10 cities. And again, this one man's obedience to go home and share with his friends to show his friends. I mean, did he have to say a thing? People knew who he was. They knew you avoided the tomb area because he was out there wailing, breaking chains. They knew who he was. So the fact that this man was able to walk into town again and be normal, he didn't have to say a thing. But he proclaimed to him what God had done for him. And the love of Christ, the salvation of Christ, spread through the Decapolis region. And years later, when the Christian persecution arose with Saul, is where did they flee? They fled to this area that had been prepared for them by a revival of Christianity in Decapolis. And so when God tells you to go home, there's a plan and a purpose for it. So our salvation and our deliverance from demons, healing of diseases, it is for you. But it's also for your friends and your family to see the love and the mercy and grace of God that changes your life.
So this man's deliverance was for a purpose that he had to go home for, to reveal to the people what was happening. So PF is God's home. And so when we say welcome home, it's because of what he's done for us. It's what he's done in us. It's not just because it's something that we want to say to people. It's what we need, need to say so that they know that this is a place different than the world, different than things that they may have encountered before. And the purpose that God has for creating Praise Fellowship, turn to Luke, if you will, now. Luke chapter 4. So the reason that God created Praise Fellowship, the reason that he creates any body of believers is encapsulated right here in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus is speaking, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are oppressed. And then verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why PF exists right there. That's why any church, any place that calls themselves the body of Christ, this is why they exist. It's to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the demon oppressed free. And so this is your home, right? Are you ready to welcome sinners? Are you ready to welcome adulterers, murderers, liars, the confused, the deceived, the poor or the rich, the broken or the oppressed? Are you willing to welcome them into your, and picture this place right here, your home? Are you willing to welcome those kind of people, those kind of people, which every one of us was, are you willing to welcome them into your home? Because they need to be there to hear how God has set you free, how God has used you to bring wholeness back into your life. Are we willing to, you know, some of you don't like it when I say this one, but are you willing to change your seat? Because next Sunday, maybe somebody will have come in and is already sitting in your seat that's never been here before. Are you willing to do that? I know some of you are squirming. Some of you are going, uh, that's why I don't like the teaching. No one steals the front row. The fr we have a plan. We have a plan that we've, you know, haven't talked about it a whole lot. This is Ann and I talking one night. Is what we're going to start doing with all of you that are returning veterans, if you will, to Praise Fellowship is we're going to make all of you sit in the back. And as people come in, fill towards the front. So if you're late, you have to sit in front. Great idea, terrible idea. Just, just, I want you to think about that, though. Is that's the willingness we need to have if somebody's already sitting in our seat? We're not going to get bent out of shape. It's not your seat. It's God's seat. And if he wants to put somebody else's behind in that seat, <laughs> that's what he's going to do. But we need to be willing people. 
to open up our arms and say, come to us. We've got answers in Christ for any question that you have. Is that true? Does the Bible have all the answers that we possibly could ask? So, AJ, come on up. So, welcome home, people. Whether this is your second visit here or your, again, 197th time, welcome home. We need to have that, the joy and the expectation that when we walk through those doors, we're here for a purpose. That God's created every single one of you, no matter what your age physically is or your age spiritually. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you to fulfill his purpose. And when somebody walks through the door, whether you know them or not, are you willing to step out of your comfort zone and say, welcome? And just a little side note, one thing that I know in conversations, different people we've had, is a lot of you feel embarrassed or shy about going up to somebody because I know I've met them before, but I cannot remember their name. Don't worry about it. They don't remember your name either a lot of times. <laughs> but in do, we need to be comfortable with understanding that we don't know everything. We can't remember everything. We're limited. And so if you see somebody that you know you've met before, be honest. I don't remember your name. But my name's Rich. What's your name again? I mean, let's be honest with each other. Let's be open with each other. It's a simple thing, but it requires us getting over ourselves and not being judgmental or fearful that because I can't remember somebody's name, they're going to hate me for it. We're all in that boat. God's blessed me. I do have a pretty good memory of, I can probably tell you most of your names in this room right now. Some of you are riches, so it's real easy. I mean, everybody's rich. But um, just be willing to open yourselves up to that moment of insecurity because in the end, it doesn't matter if you could remember their name or not and you need to ask it again. Make the connection because when we get to know each other, that's where we become stronger. And as we become stronger... God's going to be able to use us even in a greater way than he is right now. So as we move forward through this year, expect every day to be a great day in God. If you would, let's go ahead and stand. Close in prayer. And next week, Eric Hamilton will be bringing the second part of the welcome home message and AJ after that. But just take the challenge of starting every day out with Joshua 24, 15, that no matter what your calendar looks like, no matter what your day looks like, today I choose to serve you, Lord. And all the things that are going on through the course of that day, are ordained by God. Choose this day whom you will serve and all the other things that are going on in your life will take a secondary role in their importance. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that are gathered here today. We thank you those that are gathered online even in their homes. We thank you for the body across the world that calls upon your name and 
bows their knee to you only. Lord, just take us and build us up. Reveal to us the things that we need to give over to you, the weaknesses in ourselves that you're looking to give us your strength from, the things that we think we're strong in, Lord, that you will just humble us in. Take every person that's gathered here today, Lord, and just touch them in the way that they need right now, whether it's a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, even just a freedom to step out into things that you've created them to do. That all the talents and the gifts that are gathered together in this room, Lord, they're for your glory. And push us, provoke us to step out of our comfort zones and to allow you to just work in us in a way that will astound the world. We give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.